0: If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 5. Pat, are you okay? Okay. Just concerned when I see somebody doing that. No, i just concerned about you. We love you. Several weeks ago, we started a character study of seven people whose interaction with one another wound up in the delivery a man a heathen being healed of leprosy and the name and the glory of God being spread to the Syrian nation and the Lord willing today I'm going to we will get to the prophet who is in Samaria and then the Lord willing next week we'll talk about the servant and the commander Um, So far we've covered four people. The servant girl who was taken in a raid, a very young lady, taken in a raid, who went to Naaman's wife and said, you know, if Naaman knew of the prophet who was in Samaria, he could heal him of his leprosy. And then the wife who went to Naaman, Naaman's wife who went to Naaman and told him. (coughs) Naaman went to the king of Syria, a fellow by the name of Ben-Hadab. And right away he said, sure, go, I'll give you letters. And then the king of Israel, when he got the letter, said, this guy's trying to pick a fight with me. But three out of the four people, the servant girl, Naaman's wife, and the king of Syria, they all acted in love. In other words, love always cares the best for someone else. Doesn't matter what they're like, love always cares the best for someone else. I think I told you the story of how many years ago we were pastoring a church outside of Waco, Texas. And to help in the community I would uh, drive the uh, ambulance. And when we would go on an ambulance trip and come back we would have to go to this warehouse and get restocked with supplies and there was a gentleman there who when he found out I was a minister would just give me a hard time just uh, to no end and one day I came in and I could tell he was not feeling well at all he was feeling very very bad and um, you could about for me to march away you could tell it was a natural sickness. Could I get you to do something with these Mrs. Children's? Um, you could tell it was not natural sickness. It was from the night before. And I just kind of walked away from him and I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, I want you to go pray for him. He's got to drive to Austin. That's a long way away. I want you to go pray for him. And, and I know none of you would argue with God, but I got over in the corner and I said, God, that's his own fault. Let him suffer. And uh, now God doesn't argue with us. I know it's a shock to you that your pastor would say that. But I'm human. And uh, God doesn't argue with us. And he just got very quiet and very gently said, I'd like you to go pray for him. And I value the presence of God more than anything else. If I do something that causes that spirit to withdraw, I, I, I just, I value His presence. And so I walked over to the gentleman and I said, you have a, thank you, you have a, quite a journey in front of you and I know you're not feeling bad. I mean, I know you're feeling bad. I'd like to pray for you. And he's okay. And I'd like to have laid hands on him and forgot to pray, but I didn't. And I, I, well, I'm being truthful. I laid hands on him gently and I prayed for him. And he just looked at me and said, thanks. And I walked away. Two days later, I saw the man and he came up to me excited. Number one, God had healed him. When he get, went to get in his vehicle, all sickness was gone. But number two, His mom and dad were ministers, full gospel Pentecostal ministers, and he had turned his back on God and quit serving God. But that act of kindness, the Spirit of the Lord had drawn him back. And so we talked last week how when we the love of God and how these three acted in the love of God. And the love of God is, is a choice that we make in our mind. It's not this ooey gooey, oh I love you, you're so sweet and nice. And then we go out and act like jerks to people. That's not the love of God. The love of God is a choice that we make to treat people like God treats us. That's what the love of God is about. And I made the statement last week that whenever we get out of love... Things get askew in our life. And I talked in particular, we talked about how by grace are ye saved through faith. And that that faith, Ephesians tells us, operates by love. Faith operates by love. And if you're believing God for something, if you're praying and believing God for something, and you're having trouble with it coming to fruition or you're having trouble with your faith, maybe the problem isn't your faith. Maybe it's your love walk. Maybe there's something in your love walk that's blocking that from happening. I could go on and on. I could go on that love covers a multitude of sins. I could go, the one, but I won't do that this morning. The Bible says love never fails. And if you're struggling, let me say this if you're struggling with someone, whether it's a family member, a son, a daughter, a brother, a sister, an uncle, an aunt, or you're struggling with an individual in your community and they just don't seem to let you go. The Bible says love never fails. Maybe the problem isn't with them. Maybe the problem's in your love walk. Maybe the problem's in your love walk. I've learned that when I just love people... Now, let me say this. Love doesn't say you can't love love doesn't mean you can't say no. Love doesn't mean you're a doorman. That's not what it means. I remember one time, as a young minister, I had a man come up to me and he literally said to me, So preach, I hear, if I hit you on the cheek, you got to turn the other cheek, right? And I looked at him and I said, No. You didn't quite read that right. I said, What do you mean? He said, It says, if you hit me for the gospel's sake. And if you hit me, you better believe I think it's for the gospel's sake, because if it ain't, I'm going to lay you up against that wall like firewood. And he looked at me, and he turned around and walked off. But you know what? He kept coming to the revival, he kept coming to the services. Love doesn't mean you can't say no doesn't mean that. It just means that we treat people like God treats us. And I'm not going to tell you that that's always easy. It's not. But whenever we get out of God's love, the love of God, then a lot of things get amiss in our life. And if you get a chance, read 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. Now don't do it now, you know, but listen to the rest of the message. So anyway that's where we're at. We've had the servant girl, Naaman's wife, uh, the king of Syria, and then we've got the king of Israel, and uh, I'm going to start in verse 6. Then Naaman brought the letter to the king of Israel which said, Now be advised when this letter comes to you that I have sent, Naaman my servant to you that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, am I a god to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. So it was when Elisha, Now I want to stop right here. We live in an agricultural country. How many of you can anybody tell me what Elisha was doing when he got the call of God on his life? Sherry, you don't count. He was, he, was he was a farmer. He was a farmer. And he wound up being one of the major prophets. What a word of encouragement. So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Two things about the story of Elisha that I like, and both of them are connected. Number one, Elisha hears about the problem in the palace. Now the Bible doesn't tell me how he heard about it. He could have, an angel could have came and told him. Or he could have had people, advisors or people in the palace who just came running to him and told him. But either way, he knew, number one and number two, he took action. And then all of a sudden, Elisha has the commander of the greatest army of that time standing in front of his door. And what Elisha says to him must have been of God because when the man did what Elisha told him he was healed of his leprosy. So in other words here was a man of great stature, great position, great posture standing before him. And now my question See, every one of us, if we're a Christian, every one of us in our lifetime are going to have God-given opportunities presented to us. Every one of us. What we do with those opportunities not only determines our destiny in life, but it determines what we have in life and our continued relationship with God. The Bible is full of people that had opportunities. Adam and Eve, they had a wonderful opportunity. They were in the Garden of Eden and God said, hey, this is all yours. Be fruitful, multiply and replenish the earth. You had Rahab, that woman who ran an inn. Uh, I don't know if you remember her or not, but the 12 spies went into, uh, I mean the spies, two spies went in to scope out the land. And they had to hide And there was a woman who ran an inn. She could have been a prostitute. She might have had a legitimate business. But she ran an inn and she hid them. And people of her own country came. And so here was an opportunity. Do I turn these people over to our people? Or do I help them escape? Rahab helped. chose the right. You have Mary, the mother of Jesus. Can you imagine a little teenage girl in her day and age? And she could have said, no, I'm not going to do it. You go find somebody else, Angel. But I think my favorite is this, is, is a fellow by the name of Ruth, a woman by the name of Ruth. There was a woman in the Bible by the name of Naomi. And Naomi's husband passed away and she had two sons and those two sons married two wives. One called Opa and the other one called Ruth. And those sons died and Naomi was left with the two women. Now the two women were from Moab. Moab was, um, it was called the, the, the country short of the promised land. The Moabites were perpetual enemies of the Israelites. And that's who Opa and Ruth were part of. And Naomi came to them and she said, I'm going back to Judah, my home country, back to the country of God. But I want you two to go back to your country. Go back to your mother's house and go live. Opa tearfully accepted that release. And what she did it was she went back to her people and, and their gods and she walked out of the pages of the Bible never to be heard from again. We never hear her men mentioned again. Never. On the other hand, Ruth refused to depart. Instead, she took the opportunity presented to her. And you all know the story. She said to Naomi, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. You know the story. God provided her a wealthy man and, and she's in the lineage of Christ. Every one of us, let me say it again. If you're a child of God, God is going to give you opportunities presented to us. How do we respond when these opportunities show up, when these opportunities are standing before us, like Naaman was standing before Elisha? Do we just plow forward and shoot from the hip, so to speak? You know what I mean by shoot from the hip. We just do what what comes first. Kind of like what my wife did when she asked me to marry her after I'd only known her 27 days. You know, she just kind of shot from the hip. She saw this good looking, handsome, intelligent, humble guy, you know, and she just shot from the hip or do we sit down and methodically work out a plan based upon what we've googled on the internet or what we have from past experiences or as a Christian do we submit ourselves to the resource That God has placed inside of us. See. Go with me to John chapter 13. Would you? God has placed inside of us. If you're a Christian. Doesn't matter. How long you've been a Christian. God has placed inside of you. A resource. For every opportunity. To help you. With every opportunity and problem that comes your way. Look at John chapter 16. I want you to go to verse 13. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, I'll wait, I'm hearing some pages still turning. John 16, 13. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will lead and guide you into all truth. He won't speak of his own authority, but he will tell you the things he hears. And he will tell you and show you things to come. Wow. Now, let me me jump forward a little bit. I want you to go to... 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Keep your finger there in John. Keep your finger there in John. Now this, in John 16, this is a promise of God. When He, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, When you received Christ, when you made the profession of faith, like Romans 10, 9 and 10, God, I believe in my heart that you've raised Jesus from the dead. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. The Bible says you're saved. That's it. Lord, I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Boom. It's taken care of. You're a believer. The Bible says at that point, the Holy Spirit and your spirit are joined together. He comes and lives inside of you. Okay, and so this is a promise of God, that when the spirit of truth is come, he will lead and guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own authority, but he'll tell you the things he hears, and he'll tell you and show you things to come. It's a promise of God. Doesn't say he might, says he will. Look at 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20. For all the promises of God are in him, of God in him are yes, and in Christ, amen, to the glory of God through us. Let me give you some other translations of that. Uh, Eugene Peterson in the message says, whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. The New Living Version, Jesus says yes to all of God's many promises. It is through Jesus that we say, let it be so. New Living Translation. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes through Christ and our amen, which means yes. Second Peter chapter 2. Keep your finger in John. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1. I'm sorry, verse three or two. Second Peter chapter one, verse two. Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, as his divine power has given. Does anybody in here understand English? Has. Is that past, present, or future tense? What? Past tense. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. As he has. Past tense. Has. It's already ours as a Christian. Given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through our attending church three times a month. And putting at least $10 in the offering each month. Right? Is that what it says? You're smiling at me Kevin. That isn't what it says. I get it. What's that? You think it says 20, okay. (laughs) No! All things have been given to us pertaining to life, the natural and godliness, the spiritual, our relationship with God through the knowledge of Him who has called us to glory and virtue, which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Now, Back to John 16, 13. When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will lead and guide you into all truth. He won't speak of his own authority, but he'll tell you the things he hears. Where do you think... Let me just stop here. It says he'll tell you the things he hears. Where do you think he's getting what he's hearing? Where do you think he's getting it from? The internet? Where? God, yeah, absolutely. We'll get to that. I mean, that's, that in itself is, whoa. But I don't see many people taking advantage of this. They're not making use of that resource of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of them. Many Christians struggle with what's truth and they shouldn't. Did you know that this is why... God gave, the Jesus gave the church, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. It's called the five-fold ministry gift. Go with me to Ephesians, would you? Well, we ain't going to make it today. That's okay. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. In verse 7, ten, It's talking about Jesus and when he died and how he descended into, the, into Hades, the holding place of the dead. And then he ascended, leading captivity captive. Now that confuses, let me take a side note here. When it says he led captivity captive, that confuses a lot of people. Let me explain something to you. If you know it, just stay with me. Before salvation through Jesus Christ, before Christ came and died on the cross, people who tried to keep the law, there were two types of people that passed away. Remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus? The rich man passed away and was in hell or Hades holding place of the dead. But Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom. Another name in the Greek for that is paradise. Paradise. You know what paradise is, right? It's something we play a game with. Take you a minute there. But paradise and and, uh, Abraham's bosom are the same. And there was a gulf between them. Well, what it was, was the people that tried to keep the law and were under the law, when they would die, if they had made the sacrifices right for their sins, they went to Abraham's bosom. That was a holding place for them because the Bible says that unless a man be born again, he can't enter the kingdom of heaven. But when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says he descended and those people were held captive. They were held captive by the law because the law couldn't save. The law couldn't give life. The law couldn't do that. They were held captive But when Jesus went down there, now the Bible doesn't tell us what he said. I believe he went down there and said, I'm the Messiah. You accept me? I don't know about you, but oh yeah, let's go. But when they were released, that second captive in the Greek means the spoils of war. Why? Because Jesus had defeated the enemy, had fulfilled the law, and these people were free to what? to go be with Christ in heaven. That's what that was. And so that's what it's talking about and then it says, and Jesus himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for the equipping of the saints. How many of you are saints here this morning? If you're a born again Christian, you're a saint. For the work of the ministering, For the building up of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith. Sometime we'll preach on this. Till we come to the unity of faith of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. Here's Paul's concern. That we no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. See, Paul knew that there was going to have a time when the devil would really, he did back then, but as things got worse and worse, he would begin, would become more, he would become better at his deceitfulness and trying to drag people away from the truth of God's word. He did it with the Judaizers. And so there's many Christians that have a problem with the truth and they shouldn't. And many Christians aren't aren't using this Holy Spirit that lives inside of them because they believe, well, that's only for preachers and I'm I'm just kind of a layman. No, the Bible doesn't say that. Look at John 16, 13. It doesn't say that. It does not say, and when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will only give. It doesn't say male or female. It doesn't say an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. This is for all of us. And so many Christians don't use this. Or they say, well, I'm not good enough. You don't know what I did. See, now you're basing your salvation with God upon your works church, our position in Christ is based upon what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Amen. That's, that's what it's based on. That's it. And if you think that anything else you do is going to get you into heaven, you're wrong. You have been declared righteous. Hallelujah. You've been declared righteousness of God. But can I borrow you for a minute, young man? Would you come up here? Here's what happens. I should have gotten Daniel. He's a little smaller, but come on up here. When you receive Christ, here's what happens. The blood of Jesus covers you. And when God looks at you, you know what he sees? He sees the blood of his son. Amen. And yes, You may do, thank you. You may do some things that aren't right, but you know what those things do? That allows the devil to come into your life and steal and kill from you. And a lot of people don't don't make use of this Holy Spirit. My time is up today. I'll continue this next week. But if you take nothing away from here today, I'd like you to go home when you wake up in the morning, say, Lord, I've got your Holy Spirit living inside of me. And so, Lord, I'd ask today, I thank you. The Bible says in Philippians, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Lord, I thank you. That the Holy Spirit lives within me today is going to lead and guide me into all truth. And we'll talk about that next week. And Lord, I thank you that the Holy Spirit tells me what he hears. And if you run into a problem this week, you know what you need to do? You need to just stop and say, Holy Spirit, what's the Father say? How do I need to handle this? That's what I do. Holy Spirit, what does the Father tell me to do here? How do I deal with this? He'll tell you and show you things to come. I was praying, and I don't want, but I was praying in the spirit about the services. And you know what? I didn't know what you were going to be singing. I just knew that the Lord said to me, Owen, we're going to change things around, and my spirit's going to be there this morning, and I want you to have communion at the start. And the spirit of the Lord just came down and prepared the way. You can do that. That's available to us. We'll continue this next week. Lord, you know what? You're such a good God to us. You are. And you've given us your Holy Spirit to live within us. To lead and guide us into all truth. And he doesn't speak of his own authority, but he tells us the things he hears. And Lord, you will talk to us. You'll tell us how to handle each situation. Lord, you'll tell us and show us things to come. Because we're your children. Lord, if nothing else this week, let us go home and let us just take this scripture. Go through the week this week on that. In Jesus' name. And you know what, Lord? We're going to receive the offering when we're done also. Lord, I just ask that you bless it and bless the giver. And just help us to be good stewards of all you've given us in Jesus' name. Amen.